22 minutes after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout on our WhatsApp line, 60 We uh, go straight to the markets. Markets having closed at, uh, yeah, I guess uh, 5 p.m., two hours and 23 minutes ago. Uh, but a uh, very interesting start insofar as company news are concerned uh, on this Monday. And joining me tonight... To take a look at some of uh, the numbers that came through is Kanyan Zuruleka, co-founder out at Satana Capital. Kanya, good evening. Welcome. Evening, Aya. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm well, thanks. Atemba Nawe, all right. No, I'm that team and I'm good. Good, good, good. Kanya, I want to, let's start out in the world of telcos. Uh, I was saying to my mm-hmm. colleague Andile earlier on, um, two interim numbers for the six months ending 30 September. Uh, coming through mm-hmm. from Vodacom and Telcom. Let's start out with Telcom. Uh, what do you make of, uh, I guess, the signals they put out into the market? And, uh, yeah, also flagging uh, some concerns there, maintenance costs and service costs uh, increasing significantly there, but also some shifts uh, in their accounting treatments of uh, the revenue. Maybe just for the purposes of our mm. listeners, postpaid. What's, I think all of us know what prepaid is. What's postpaid? Um, I think the most simplistic way that I explain it for myself is that whereas with with prepaid, um, you're going to have that payment coming beforehand. Postpaid is the services, um, from my understanding, will actually be paid after they've actually been um, um, serviced. Ah, so so, so like a contract? Effectively, yes. As a contract, like postpaid. If I'm... If I'm honest with you, I had to actually do a bit more digging. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Telcom actually coming out with that statement, and mm. I think that um, it'll be very interesting to actually see those numbers when they actually come through. Um, you know, they are signaling that their heads as well as their basic earnings per share mm. are actually effectively going to be halved. Um, and for them to then come out with that statement, um, attributing that a significant portion of that, to matters of accounting treatment is quite, quite interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, market's not happy at all. Share price closed today down about 6%. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think is, that... Is, is that because, you know, whenever the market sees you talk about accounting treatments of revenue, I mean, we've seen this with Transnet as well, that, um, mm-hmm. you know, traders automatically switch off because they say, well, you wouldn't mention it if your numbers were good in and of themselves. I don't necessarily think so, because if you actually have a look at what they attribute to that, it's about 299 million rand. Mm. Um, it's quite significant, but I, I, I just think that the general halving of your earnings is quite a red flag. Sure. Um, and I think that you know, if you're holding those shares and you don't have a long-term view on Telcom and you're just a short-term trader, um, you're not going to wait until you know the full picture is revealed. So, mm. yes, definitely, when it comes to accounting, um, traders are usually spooked. But if you remember with Steinoff, um, you know, people started talking about accounting issues here, accounting issues there. Yes. And people weren't actually that flustered because generally financial, um, you know, financial market operators, they will know that, you know, sometimes there are restatements and there's nothing untoward. Mm. Um, there's just maybe a different interpretation of the accounting sure. standard at that particular time. So, I just think that the greatest thing from the financial markets perspective is um, the fact that obviously they're struggling to contain their cost base. ESCOM load shedding obviously playing into that, but maintenance issues that they flagged in the statement as well being something that they will have to look into. Mm. And then Vodacom, 
also giving us their interim numbers here. Uh, just under six billion invested into their network uh, locally here in South Africa, and uh, it seems that checkbook is out as well, Kanya, because. Uh, they're waiting on uh, regulator approval, Vodafone, Vodafone Egypt acquisition, uh, and also, of course, their fiber play here at home. Mm. Yes, so Vodacom is very aggressive about rebranding. Well, let me not say rebranding, but repositioning themselves, not just as a telco, but a technology company. So they're investing quite a bit in making that come to life, making sure that they have the technology to roll out all these different products. And as you mentioned, they want to basically dominate the connectivity market, entering into um, those, well, I wouldn't say negotiations, actually entering into that partnership with CIBH, um, which basically holds Dark Fiber um, Africa as well as Vumatal. So, yeah, like you mentioned, spending about $5.8 billion on the SA network, but a bit of that actually doesn't even come down to investment, capital investment. It's also because of load shedding. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, you see just that theme coming out with a lot of companies putting out, whether it's an, an operational statement or actually interim financial results. You're seeing quite a lot of them talking about we've spent X amount of load shedding. I mean, Vodacom has also spoken about the fact that they want to source energy from renewable energy sources, and they are and they are very close to sort of making that happen. So. Yeah, not good results from Vodacom either. Market also wasn't happy. Um, their share price also down about 6.2% today. And then, I mean, just what do you make of some of the other, I don't know what to call it, value-added services or non-service in the typical mm. sense revenue? I mean, uh, some of the stuff they've done on the financial services space, albeit, of course, of a lower base, uh, but it mm. seems, you know, the East African investment in Safaricom continues to pay dividends continues to pay dividends if you're just going to be looking at, you know, financial services in isolation. So mm. um, to provide context, financial services revenue for them, including Impesa revenue, is up about 19.2%. Um, but that is up to about $4 billion, you know. Um, and we're speaking, with, we're speaking about a company that, you know, makes about 10 times that um, as a group. So, yes, a lot of improvements there from an insurance perspective, the CEO also citing that there's improvement in their airtime advanced product, and we know that here in South Africa they've been really pushing the financing of small businesses. Um, but you know, financial services is still quite a small portion in relation to the broader group revenue. And then we know they made a foray into Africa's second most popular nation, uh, and that is the um, nation at the horn of Africa, Ethiopia, which uh, liberalised its telecommunications market and. Uh, uh, that might require them to come in with a significant checkbook, uh, uh, Kanya, insofar as new capital investments. Um, what, what do you make of that? Uh, and I guess um, how that is priced into uh, you know, the shares of Vodacom and what the markets might be seeing in its outlook. So I think that um, they've, they've cited some startup losses in Ethiopia um, within their report. So I, I, I think that it, it's definitely part of their aggressive growth plan. Um, I don't think that the market will necessarily buy, be spooked by all of it, but I do think that it will be something that management will, will have to contain. But so far, um, they have incurred quite a bit of losses up in Ethiopia. And then talk to me about this announcement today in the markets by Breit. I was saying earlier to, um, uh, you know, uh, Andile that uh, these are the guys 
Uh, well, Braid, firstly, maybe let's talk about who Braid is um, okay. and uh, their relation to Premier Brands or Premier, which gives us the likes of Snowflake, Blue Ribbon, Iwisa, Impala, Super C, Mr. Sweets. I mean, you know, uh, Candy Tops, Lillette, Dove, Cotton Wool. I can mention many other brands as well. Um, yeah. Who is Braid and sort of wh- what's the connection here? So Brait is a, um, a listed investment holding company, um, and well, they currently still hold about 99% of Premier Group, um, Premier Group being that consumer packaging group that you just mentioned, holding brands in your Mr. Bread, Snowflake, uh, Blue Ribbon, and the likes. Um, so it's an investment holding company. They have a stake in uh, Premier Foods. They also have a stake in Virgin Active. They also have um, a stake in New Look, um, which is basically a fashion business based in the UK, but that's very, very tiny. Um, so I think that a lot of um, your listeners will be familiar with Brett in relation to Crystal VC. Mm. Crystal VC also having a stake within that entity. Um, so that's who Brett is. And uh, today, um, Premier Group came out saying that they're going public. Um, this is after Brett has held them since 2011. So coming out with very buoyant numbers about, you know, their market share in various um, product categories, um, their market share within their formal market. So I think this is quite exciting. Um, uh, you know, it will be good to see, you know, it's competing at a listed space with their other competitors like um, your Tiger brands and so forth. Yeah, and, and I guess, I mean, the rationale and the timing for this, I mean, is, is this just about raising more capital to be able to compete in that, you know, secondary processing market? Or I guess, does this have something to do with, um, you know, some of the people that you've mentioned and um, sort of the losses or knocks they might have taken or not uh, from past deals? Um, no, I- I, don't, I think this is just the, the straightforward realization of an investment. Um, so, Brett basically, like I said, has held Premier Group since 2011, and they've done a fantastic job to, to, to build the business as a competitor with some of the other big brands, such as Tiger Brands, um, Pioneer, which is now PepsiCo. So, I, I think that it's, it's come to that point. I also think that with the growth ambitions that the business itself has, that is Premier Group, it's good for them to have access to the capital markets. Um, I also think that, you know, it will be great for the holders as well to be able to now trade their shares on a, low, uh, on a liquid public market. Um, but no, I, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, I'd have to think about it further and really apply my mind. But from my side, it, it looks as though it's a straightforward realization of an investment that has really gone well for the investment company. Mm-hmm. And then let's shift our attention uh, to the SAA deal. Uh, South African Airways, I think many people would know, has um, come under a lot of challenges of late, and including its subsidiaries, SA Express, Mango, you know, Air Chefs, SA Technical. Um, and uh, yeah, there was the announcement of the Takatso Consortium as the strategic equity partner, including the likes of Harith General Partners. Um, and, uh, of course, also Gideon Novik, who's the former CEO of Comair and uh, the guy who is behind Lyft. And, and it seems he has exited stage left here. Um, I hear a lot of people saying, well, this might be the end of the deal. I mean, is that overreaction or, I guess, uh, a reading of this move as uh, something mm. being slightly amiss out in the uh, Takato universe? 
I think that when it comes to the Takatso Consortium um, universe, <laughs> what Gideon Novik has actually come up with today is really the least peculiar thing when it comes to the deal. Um, you know, like you're mentioning today, Gideon Novik coming out saying that he's resigning from the board, um, but his company isn't actually going to exit the consortium. So he's still expressing confidence in the deal by actually remaining a shareholder within the consortium. But there's a lot that I think from our perspective as the public when it comes to the Takatso Strategic Equity Partnership, um, you know, with the Department of Public Enterprises that isn't clear, um, you know, that isn't transparent. And today, definitely to have your, 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 your board director who was representing the minority shareholders coming out saying that I'm resigning because of a lack of communication. I'm resigning because I'm not so sure about our ability to raise the money to, to put this through. It definitely raises eyebrows, but like I say, there's been a number of other things before this that have definitely raised eyebrows, just you know, regarding the structure of the deal and the information that is available when it comes to it. Yeah, and I guess on the other hand, SAA is saying for them, things will continue. Um, they are quite happy with how they've gone along at the moment, still 100% government-owned, and uh, I guess they've managed okay. to benefit uh, from the um, exit of Comair in the domestic market. What do you make of some of the other suggestions that come the sort of strategic equity partnership or even the, um, uh, uh, the any bailout from government, uh, they still will be able to continue and, uh, I guess, um, succeed with their turnaround? Yeah, so we definitely, that is good news to hear. However, we still are having quite a number of financial statements from SAA outstanding. So it is difficult to sort of assess that for ourselves objectively. But like you said, the chair of the company has come out saying that, you know, they have positive cash flow and essentially they've been able to gain market share owing to ComAir exiting. Um, however, it is interesting that there's this confidence, but at the same time, there is still this push to to, to effectively put the deal through with Itakatsu. So I think from my, from, from my perspective, it's great to hear that from the chair, but I'm a person who likes to assess, you know, something for herself. And mm. at the moment, last time I checked, um, four years' worth of um, audited financial statements was outstanding um, from SAA. And I think... As the public, we should have a look at that just to understand what's happening so we can say that, okay, what is what what would be the best next step um, for the airline? So so what what do you make? Because, I mean, I guess, you know, um, Kanya, there are a few things that would drive the viability or continued solvency and the ability to operate of an airline. I mean, proper fleet, proper routes, mm. management of, um, you know, even, I guess, non-aviation forms of revenue might be your food your uh, what, what do you call the lounges and so on um, uh, when you look at all of those dimensions for SAA um, yeah I mean wh- which of them scare you the most from my perspective I, I think that what would scare me the most is you know management management mm. everything rises and falls in leadership sure so I think that from the perspective of running the business, if you have the right people who have the experience of, of making it work, then definitely it can be a success. Um, seats can be replaced. You can enter into strategic negotiations with other partners. Um, and 
FAA still has a really, really great opportunity to compete not only domestically but also regionally. But you need the right people who are going to get in as soon as possible um, and effectively start running the business because at the moment um, there still is all that historical debt that still needs to be cleared out. Mm. Um, there's still quite a lot of questions regarding the consortium deal, when or how it's going to go through. Um, you know, the, all parties concerned seem confident that it will go through by early next year. But I do think that the dust needs to settle um, and the right people need to get in and begin actually making, um, you know, the necessary changes. Yeah. Last one, uh, I guess, with the minute or so that we have, it seems Checker 6060 continues to um, push um, along. Uh, and I guess uh, one of the things that... Uh, ShopRite Holdings will certainly be thanking the pandemic for because I don't think they would have brought that to market as soon as they did um, or with the particular urgency or even investment of time, let alone money made mm. into that. Uh, but yeah, what do you make of some of the numbers they put out um, and uh, seeing um, sales across the core supermarkets division here at home growing just shy of 20%? No, I mean, um, as the young people would say, ShopRite is killing it. Um, you know, <laughs> they're doing very, very well, and quite a lot of that can be pinned down to their e-commerce play. What's so fascinating about them is how they're thinking very strategically in terms mm. of technology, putting things in like AI. They have a very innovative rewards program as well. Um, but, yeah, it really does come down to that checkers um Checker 6060, it's very efficient and, you know, um, everyone loves it. Um, I also make use of it from my side. Um, So, yeah, like you said, the supermarkets revenue up 19.9%. Even in the rest of of Africa, they've also performed well. So sales also going up by 18.8% there. Um, So, yeah, I I think that we're going to continue to see ShopRite making a lot of inroads into their competitors' market share and also seeing them open up new, um, you know, revenue channels for themselves with financial Mm. services, um, the technology that they're building. Um, They're very, very aggressive and it's very exciting to, to see. Yeah. Kanya, always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Aya. Cheers. Cheers. Kanyan Zuruleka, co-founder out at Satana Capital, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories.